Mr. Richter wants Caleb to be Anthony. Michael gets it now. You're listening to Return to Gilead, a fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane. By two new, but definitely not manipulative, fans of the show. I'm Michael LaFaber. <laughs> I'm Ryan Matlock. And you're listening to part three of our review of the season six premiere of Down Gilead Lane, episode 74, on our return to Gilead. You want to talk about another time when I think a verse is used out of context in these episodes? <laughs> oh, please. All right, previous episode. This is really by the influence of my theology teacher from uh, last semester and two semesters ago who talked about this verse all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, when used by Brooke in reference to Justin. <laughs> it's Brooke saying it, so it doesn't have to be the episode's interpretation of it necessarily. But Brooke tells Justin that, well, I don't have to worry too much about what's going to happen in my future because like, I know that God has a plan for me, a plan to prosper me and not to hurt me. And you can get almost that far by using any other verse in the Bible to say that God has everything under control. We are not to worry. We shouldn't be anxious, but by prayer and petition, present our requests to him. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds. That's the one that comes to mind. But that verse, to prosper you, I think it's talking about the nation of Israel. Yes. Yeah. Because what if you're not prosperous? Does that mean that God didn't have a plan for you? Because that's that's a pretty bold promise. And we know that God's promises always come true. So if that's a promise from God and it's not coming true, that's a problem. So the way to explain that is that he is talk that Jeremiah is talking about the nation of Israel and not necessarily anybody who reads that verse. I agree. And, and I, there's sort of two opinions I have on this. <laughs> okay. And one one agrees with you pretty much and, and because this verse taken literally that God intends to make prosperous the nation of Israel. That Because that's the literal interpretation of what he's saying. He's saying, like, I, I have a plan for you, Israel, and it's to make you prosperous and to benefit you, not hurt you. Mm-hmm. And he's saying this to Israel specifically, the group of people that he's made a covenant with several thousand years ago in a specific scenario. <laughs> and that covenant lasted for a good time where he did prosper them and then they fought back against him and then they were exiled. Yay. (laughs) So even they didn't prosper in the end, but they did prosper for a bit. All that said, that's them that he's talking to. So to take that and say, this is what God's saying to me. Well, if you you might be the person that's going to become a CEO of a big business, you might be the person who's going to be homeless in a year. You never know. Yeah. Life is crazy. And if you look at statistics, there are people who are homeless and some of them are Christians. So what's the what's the deal there? Uh, the yeah, second thing, though, yeah. I think that sometimes people go a little overboard in critiquing anyone who uses this verse. Because oh, sure. yeah. I've seen like far too many times where someone's like saying, I, I love like I love God. He's so great. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He's going to prosper me. And people are like, he was talking to Israel, not you. And you heretic! You, there are plenty of other verses in the Bible that say that God has good plans in store for his for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh-huh. It's, it's not necessarily prosperity. Well, so here's the thing. Prosperity is a broad term. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean wealth. Prosper could be spiritual prosperity, mm-hmm. which, if you follow God, that is something that is a reality, yeah. regardless of whether you're Israel. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where maybe a few people go a little too far. Like if someone's quoting that verse, they're not saying, I'm Israel and I'm going to prosper exactly like Israel did. And if they are, definitely call them out. <laughs> but 
for most people, I think they aren't saying God's going to make me very rich. They're using the word prosper in a broad, good things will occur, whether that's spiritually, physically, economically, mentally, physically, any number of things, it's going to be a good thing that God gives to you. So I think so Mm -hmm. long as people don't take that verse to mean we are going to be perfect and life is never going to have any trouble, then they are right. That, that, that is God's attitude towards all of his followers, not just Israel. Because he does have a plan for everyone who, like, <laughs> everyone who calls upon his name, he has a plan for them. And I don't think it's to yeah. beat them up, right? Heaven is the end goal. And in the meantime, I might reap some spiritual fruit and possibly some physical fruit as God blesses me with... Anything from, like, children to a good job, uh, friends, family, health. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. And if we're applying this to the situation, the conversation where it takes place, I like how when Brooke gives it, it's it's a simple response. It demonstrates simple faith from her, where she doesn't have the whole, the answer to, like, why is there evil and suffering? It's called a, there's a specific word for that. But, like, it's not that she's worked out every answer on this subject but she's just saying well i believe this and i believe that about god and i'm not too troubled by the fact that it doesn't always seem to to line up that's admirable about her faith Mm -hmm. i like how it's fleshed out later with justin not just with that verse but with some other advice from his mom which do you want to talk about that because we haven't Uh, talked at all about the justin storyline sure I must confess that I was more interested in the other storyline and as such didn't pay as much attention to Justin's. Okay. But like, I think that it's a decent storyline as far as like, again, this is something I love about this season so far is that it's so true to each character. They seem to be going through similar issues that they've dealt with in the past, but just in new ways that it makes sense, especially after such a, a rigorous season as season five was that there's a little bit of a reset. Like, as everyone is focused on this other big-ticket issue, they've maybe neglected themselves, and they're sinking back into old habits. Yeah, and that's pretty much what Mary says. She's like, Justin, you were dealing with this before. And he goes, no, 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 it's it, it's fine. I, I'm, it's different this time. But it's also showing... <laughs> She's like, how? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Prove different. It. <laughs> but it ties in well to, to Caleb, because it's Caleb is starting to appear more and more in these episodes, and I actually really like Caleb in these episodes. I don't think he's as a jerk as he was before. I think he may be doing some eh, kind of eh, things, but as far as being a, a respectful person goes, he stands up for Justin uh, in a way when Justin's really concerned about his, his grade and he goes, wait, ho- hold on, man. What, what's going on? I, I want to talk about it. I want to talk to you about it. And he tries to encourage him like, nah, that's, that's not a big deal. You're taking it too seriously. And then with Mikey where he's kind of picking on him, but then he straight up says like, yeah, I, I can talk to you about the kickboxing class if you want to try to take it. He's maybe misguided, but I, th- I think he's trying to be a good friend. I don't mind that about Caleb. Yeah, I agree. So in this episode, the the second one, Hothead, Cold Heart, going back to the haiku, J- uh, Justin's B that he got uh, was in in spite of all of his studying, and he he's really upset about his low B, and he's like, this is the worst grade I've ever got. When he gets back to talk to his mom about it, his mom knows that he got a B, and then she talks to him about the whole situation and, and says, yeah, this isn't really any different than it was before. You're just at a, a different level now, and then... 
she brings up the the same things that we've been talking about before about you need to give God control over that. We we can't control what happens. So I agree with that. And I think Justin needed to hear that because he was losing sight of it. I still think you have to study, obviously. And that's what I think Brooke believes well, as well. True. Yeah. But I don't think the episode isn't making that point. But I liked how that message was interwoven with the the Michael and, and Caleb Richter stuff. Um, just a, a little lesson from Justin here and some really, really great interactions between him and his mom and, and with Brooke because I think Justin's a really, really mature character. And when his mom is trying to get him to see, like, no, no, what am I going to say? Like, what's going on here? And uh, he's like, oh, that I kind of sound like Mikey has these last few days. Oh, well, I mean, the, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of true. But also he's recognizing it, which is really mature of him. And then we cut to Mikey, who was actually acting like that. I like that Justin is the more mature Morrison brother. But yes, those scenes with Mary are really good because she was right there with him in The Lonely Ranger when he was dealing with the the issues of depression in that episode and she's been with him this whole time trying to help him through these complex emotions and i like how he continues to have complex emotions in these episodes and how his mom helps him with it it's it's really good yeah so do you want to get into all the other little things that we've missed throughout the the uh other scenes because there's there's quite a bit here uh sure so one thing i didn't mention is that these episodes are executive produced by simon guevara the last episode uh, in season five, which was "And a Time to Dance," was the last one that was executive produced by Randy Heckman, and Simon Guevara was the producer on those twelve episodes. Now he's the executive producer. So, do you want to give your pun ratings for these episodes? I would love to. So, for the first episode, which was called "Deal with It," first off, um, there is a deal being tried to oh. <laughs> <laughs> no that's the name of the episode <laughs> no there is a deal i forgot about there that. is a deal so because they're basically trying to broach a deal about kickboxing and stuff mm-hmm. that makes sense and then also as far as luke he's getting a little bit more aggressive in his dealings at work a and his dad has to deal with his son mm-hmm. i feel like this deserves at least a six i'm gonna Maybe bump it up to a 7 out of 10. Well, and Michael it's... also has to deal with the fact that he missed the deadline. True. There's a lot of dealing in this episode. And it's about masculinity, in which sometimes you just got to deal with stuff. Oh, my word. It's an 8 now. <laughs> <laughs> in the did second you, did episode. You, did you bring up that Luke isn't dealing with his, his mom's past, the, the stuff that's happening? Yeah, that, that's true. He needs to deal with his his uh, mourning as well. Yeah. So I, I, lo- I like that all. So 8 out of 10. Okay. Uh, on that one. And also, the Caleb probably episode... made a deal with somebody for the alcohol in his car. <laughs> now it's a nine. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. We're sticking with eight. Okay. For the second episode, Hothead Cold Heart. I don't understand the title. What does the title mean? Yeah, I don't know. Does I Michael have a it... cold heart? No, Michael has a hothead. Who has a cold heart? Justin? Um, Tom? What? <laughs> maybe he has both. Like, his, he's kind of cold towards his dad? Two out of ten? Zero. Uh, there's no pun here, and there's it doesn't no make puns sense. Detected. As no a, even just a title, like it kind of makes sense. But it, I, I just I think they could maybe a bit more creative. Okay, third episode. Third episode. The best man wins. I like this. So, mm-hmm. best man wins because like Donner gets the the spot as head quarterback, mm-hmm. but also the best man being the dad. Ah. The best dad in the world. You're right. Uh, and he he wins his son's favor in the end, so I like that. And also, to a certain extent, 
Michael becomes a better man mm-hmm. through it all. You're 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 grasping at straws here, but yeah, okay. I'd say this gets a five out of ten on the pun rating, but okay. it's a good title. All right, well, can we jump there to the B plot of the third episode just so we can talk about that now? The the quote unquote B plot because we have a guy named Ned Shively, and he is. We get a scene oh, right. between him and Coach Majeski, who is the coach of the high school guys, which is the fr- one of the first times we've had a scene between two minor characters on the show. And I mm-hmm. love Coach Majeski, where he goes, yeah, if you're trying to do something because Tom Richter told you to, that's not the way I do my team. I put the best man on the team. And, oh, thank you for the uniforms. My team, my, the guys on my team are going to wear them. And I'm sure Anthony Donner is going to look as good as he plays out there and destro- picks up Ned Shively like a volleyball and spikes him over the net. It's so Into good. Into Mr. Richter. He's just a pathetic little little twerp (laughs) it's beautiful and how he's just so subservient to tom richter and trying to speak to himself like man himself up like yeah i'm in control i can decide what happens here and then goes in and gets wrecked by by coach majeski (laughs) that's another thing about masculinity is that he's not a man he's not standing up for himself he's not doing what he knows is right even in the face of adversity he's just cowering and it leads him to humiliation in front of the coach but he has this little nervous tick where he goes but that did you catch that? Bada. Bada. Yeah. It happens at the end of his scene, his first scene with Tom, where he's leaving the room and he goes, bada. And I thought, oh, that, that was strange. And then when Vincent and Mikey are spying on them, he goes, I better get out of here, bada. And then leaves. That's bizarre. I did not catch that at all. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah, I, I really like Anthony and Vincent. I think they have a, they're great additions to the series and they're great friends for both Caleb, as we'll see in, in this series, and uh, to Mikey in the third episode there. No kidding. I cannot wait to talk about that with Caleb and Anthony. That's amazing. I, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I agree. These are great additions. And we'll also talk about them in the Lost episodes. Ooh. At least one of them. But anyway, the the idea is that Anthony is transferring in. And so Tom's like, well, but he can't play because you're not allowed to do it if you're a transfer. And uh, Ned goes, well, no, Coach Majewski looks in, looked into it. And he's from a larger than a 50-mile radius. And Tom's like, uh, you want those uniforms, right? Oh, yeah, then you better get him off the starting lineup. I think our coach is starting to, to lose it a little bit. And, and all that manipulation is Tom knows how to manipulate people. But I like that there are people who aren't standing up for it. Like Mrs. Donner, when she stands up for the boys, when they accidentally break one of the windows with the football and they own up to their mistake and want to work to pay it off and so she says oh you can work here at the bed and breakfast monica starts to get on them and then mrs donner goes well they both know that what they did was wrong and monica's like i have to head out and just ducks out like yeah yeah besides that uh there's a line i remember texting you about this line like last year november 30th was the exact day i looked it up there's a line from from tiffany when michael and maya are hanging out and they're in the pool. And Tiffany's like, well, you stop splashing me. And she says, I don't want my new suit to get wet. Michael goes, isn't it a swimsuit? Isn't it a swimsuit? <laughs> so funny. I love that line. Uh, the intro to the second episode, uh, Coach Wallen, who's also Mr. Wallen, who's teaching the math course, he goes, he's talking about the homework that they're going to have. And Caleb goes, oh, come on, Wallen. It's a beautiful day out there. Birds are singing. Flowers are blooming. No, no, I know what you're saying. <laughs> no, let's let's go on from that. I liked how there was a, a an almost a trichotomy between the three Morrison kids, who where you have Maya, who's together with Michael on on one side, and she's you know the upright more uh, the upright Richter, and then Caleb's kind of in the middle because he wants to be uh, liked and popular, 
and doesn't want to wield power necessarily, but is also a Richter. So he's kind of influenced by that. And then Tiffany, who's just awful on all levels. So that conversation was really interesting between the three of them. Yes. And I like it as the episodes progress, as that dichotomy between the three of them Mm -hmm. grows and it shows itself in even more meaningful ways that sort of push them all to do different things. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. There are some very poignant scenes between the, the three of them later on that we'll get to. There's just a couple final version differences from the first episode that I didn't mention last time, ending on a joke that I thought was really good. Okay. So the first version difference is when they first get to Richter Lane, which also Maya says, it's just because my family's been here forever. I'm like, uh, no, it's because your family wields power and has a, a road named after them. Uh, but yeah. they get there and the version difference is on the MP3 version. We get an extended conversation of the police officer who's talking about Caleb and Monica pressuring, pressuring him to, to drop the charges and Tom pushing back. And Michael rolls his window down and John goes, Michael, roll your window back up. Oh, OK. <laughs> and then Maya says that she'll she'll get out. So the line later of Monica saying that the, the Morrisons heard it makes a lot more sense. Sure. There's another uh, line about when Michael wants the, the form to be signed. Uh, the permission form, whatever. And then Justin comes in and gets a permission form for his class. And John goes, oh, sure. And Michael's like, what? So Justin can get it, but I can't. And John's like, Michael, Justin is turning his form in on time. If you want to join the college, the high school algebra class, feel free. They cut that. That's that's (laughs) a really good line. I like that. But then the next one, which is one of my favorite lines from these three episodes, it's Michael and Meyer hanging out. They're talking about the what had just happened and they're eating cookies and Michael goes, these are great cookies. I didn't know your mom could cook, which first off, that's shocking. He didn't know Mrs. Richter could cook. Okay. He says that. And then Maya goes, oh, she can't. Mrs. Culvert baked these. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) They have a maid, so... They have a maid. Sad we never hear from the maid, really. Yeah, it's just the one... I think it's in Cosmic Confusion or the episode after that. Uh, Story to Tell was the the name of that episode. Uh And it's the only episode where we hear from her, as far as I know. Seems like you would maybe get, like, Maya... If Maya's, like, constantly alone and not really talked to, you'd expect her to have a relationship with the maid like she did with Mrs. Kopech. Mm -hmm. Or Ms. Kopech. Yeah, I think because her... Maybe it's, it was because her sister was really that person who she didn't really get along with exactly in the beginning, but, you know, she was somebody to talk to. Then when she became a Christian, things became harder, which was why we transitioned to Mrs. Ms. Kopech. That's all I had on these this big three-episode block. I love these episodes. I think they were really well-packed as far as action and character development and reactive scenes and good themes and the stuff we talked about with some great discussion starters. So I am really happy about how season six is shaping up. I agree. It's it's going really hard, just like right <laughs> out of the gate. And I love it. Yeah. Well, before we go, let's close out this review with the final clip of the day. Going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this three-part review, the scene between Michael and his dad at the end of the third episode. Let's do it. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. And I'm glad that you never let me join that kickboxing class. And I'm glad that you never bent any rules for me. And I'm glad you made me turn Mr. Richter down. And and I'm sorry, Dad. No. Hey, hey, champ. Come on, what are you sorry about? I I wanted wanted you to be more like Mr. Richter. And, And I didn't know, Dad... I didn't know that I have the best dad in the whole world. 
from Michael. Yeah, just like you said in the haiku for this episode, Michael finally gets it. Yeah. Because he sees what a terrible father Tom Richter is and what a great father his dad is. Yeah. In general, like if this all goes back to, as you were saying, masculinity, Mm -hmm. uh, I I find it amusing at the end of this discussion. It's not in the (laughs) clip of the day, but he says, all right, enough of this sissy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It is about masculinity. It's so good. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, let's close out this three-parter. Let's do it. Here was a message I sent to Beth Culp after this review. Hey, Beth, I had a quick question for you. In Matthew 5.4, is Jesus talking about just those who are mourning their own sin? Or is he talking about anyone who mourns? This is Hannah Matlock reading Beth Culp's response. Ha, quick question. Hardly. And one I am hardly qualified to answer. But if pressed, I read it as both, not strictly one or the other. In my understanding, God's never fit into a box, nor have his promises or parables. I think we mourn our own sin, and sin in general, rolled right into our grief for the brokenness of the world from the moment we chose the fruit over trusting Him. And with that brokenness came separation from God, and that separation meant death came into the world. And death robs each and every one of us as we live in this broken world that was never meant to have endings, until we chose the fruit, ourselves, in our sin. So I think it means both and. The good news, He is the restorer, and the comforter, and the fixer of broken things. So we will be comforted, and all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. But for real, I am no authority. Those are just my musings. Take care. Well, thank you so much to Beth for texting back. Uh, She said she wasn't comfortable sending a voice message, so we had Hannah read it. But there we go. That is her response to the topic we were talking about. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a very balanced take. Uh, in this context, it's not exactly what was presented uh, in the shown episode. in the episode. Yeah, right, and that co- just comes from twenty years removed from it. Um, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm guessing, the, or or maybe it was like a specific message, like Keys for Kids was trying to do. I don't know. Possibly, yeah, but that that makes a lot more sense. I, it, it might be just one of those those things, like from Rumor Has It, where she goes, "Yeah, I was probably coming off too strong when I wrote that." She's, she also told me she doesn't, she doesn't even remember the episode itself. So sure. just from that little bit, it makes sense that when she was writing it for the context of the episode, she chose to bring out that message. But now she might have a different opinion. That's that's totally, totally fair. Makes sense. Anyway, uh, thank you, Beth. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the end of our feedback segment, huh? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Thanks, right. Beth. Really appreciate you taking the time to respond. Yeah. All right. Let's end this podcast. Man, it's so good to be able to do a three-parter again. Last time we had the the two-parter, which was not really a two-parter because we broke it up into Hannah's recording and Bren's recording. But, man, just get get to sit down and talk about all these at once. It was long, but it was worth it. So why don't you tell us, Ryan, about how people can get in contact with us? Well, you can go to returntogilead.com. Yes, you can. It's a lovely little website Michael put together. Mm -hmm. And I think you should go take a look at it. It'll really make his day yeah. uh, on that website you can <laughs> find website stuff <laughs> you can find episodes of down Gilead on that website oh, you can find gosh. website <laughs> you, on that website you can uh, find yes, episodes of, of Gilead as well as other resources relating to down Gilead Lane you can also find uh, interviews that we've done mm-hmm. with anyone from Beth Cult to recently Tom Casaletto. That was really interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> you can also go ahead and go ahead head over to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead to leave, uh, leave a voice message if you'd like to feature on the show. All you have to do is share your opinion or thoughts 
on something or even just sing a nice little song like ah <laughs> for our listening pleasure. Yeah, pleasure, I don't know if that's the word for it, but next time... No, that's the word for it. Next time on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing a single episode before heading into another two-parter. That single episode's going to be 6-4, episode 75, Just Desserts, which I don't think has Just Desserts in it, but so we'll talk about the pun then. But in the meantime, I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time as we once again return to Gilead. good things will occur, whether that's spiritually, physically, economically, mentally, physically, economically, physically, physically, mentally, spiritually, economically, physically.